CC, Growth Journeys from Emerging Ecosystems to Global Markets. I actually had to interview just over 50 companies, really interview them on a deep into the layer of the onion level. I had to speak to over 500 companies. So it's one out of 10 companies has done an okay job about defining their culture and working on their culture. Nine out of 10 companies haven't. Brett was fascinated with how culture impacts a startup's recruitment and talent retention. That's why he moved away from recruitment to focus on company culture development. His latest venture, Culture Gene, creates a software-driven process to understand, control, and maintain company culture. Brett has also written two books on the subject and is a leading expert on the space. In this episode, we'll hear some positive and negative examples of how culture can really affect a company, learn about the processes that Brett developed over the years, and talk about strengthening culture for fully remote teams. You can access Brett's books from the links in the show notes below. Let's jump right in. Hello, Brett. How are you? Enes, I'm good, thanks. Very good, thank you. It's the start of a of a new week in Portugal. How is Portugal, by the way? I mean, are you guys really affected by COVID-19? Can you guys go out or eat out at least? We can. We can eat out. You're allowed out until I think 10 o'clock during the week. And then, but on weekends, there is a curfew from 1 p.m. till 5 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays, which is very frustrating because restaurants aren't opening at all. But I guess that's what they want. So that, yeah, we're getting by. So it seems like weekdays are more fun than weekends, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the case. If you don't have um, two children under the age of three, like I do, then that is... <laughs> Good luck with that. I first want to talk a bit about your background before we go into Culture Gene. You were the managing partner of an executive search firm before moving deeper into the technology space. What triggered you to leave after 16 years to start a company that's only focused on company culture? Yeah, I was very lucky, actually. About five years ago, I worked with three companies, almost in succession, where the CEOs or the hiring managers had a very clear understanding of the culture of the company. And I was asked to find candidates that matched the skills, experience, and the values of the company. And up until then, I'd never experienced this type of recruitment before because actually it was a much harder search to do. It's hard enough finding good people. Now finding good people with a match with the values proved to be a much longer process. But actually, when we got to the stage of interview, that's where I realized, wow, there is a big difference here. There's a big difference in the way the candidates operate, the way the interaction happens, really just a fundamentally big difference across the board. And actually, then once the candidate joined, the successful candidate moved the needle for the business very, very quickly, both on a culture point of view and on a just business results point of view. So that's where I realized, you know, there's something here. This is the penny dropped for me. And that's when I started to really invest in understanding, digging into, researching, and really analyzing company culture and how strong companies do it. But I see that you were also an advisor to a bunch of startups, even before starting Culture Gene. I know that the executive search boutique that you were managing was an investor in the SeedCamp fund as well. How did all that come about? So SeedCamp was a, we were actually indirectly responsible for placing Reshma at SeedCamp. So we, as a search firm, had placed Reshma at 3i. Hmm. And within a week or two of her joining 3i, the boss that she wanted to work for 
left to set up his own fund. And then 3i decided to stop investing in early stage companies. And so Resh was like, uh oh. Mm-hmm. And but there was this opportunity to go and work with Saul Klein on this new idea that he had, which turned out to be Seedcamp. And Reshma said, contacted me and said, you know, what do you think I should do? This role has changed. And we said, well, you know, go and explore it. And she enjoyed it. Setting up Seedcamp was a real chaotic challenge in the beginning. And um, she came back and said, well, if you think it's good. And I said, yeah, I think it's good. She said, all right, then you better invest. And uh, yeah, that's how that happened. And over the years, I've just advised various companies because it's had something to do with scaling teams or going international. When companies have had a lot of international work, then I've advised them on how to do that, not just on the search side, but you know, going to the US. Going to, I've done a lot of work across Europe, across the US. So I've done a lot of advisory and, and done a few, not a lot of angel investments, but a few. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there were a lot of companies you worked with, which had great company cultures, and you saw its impact and importance firsthand. Can you give us some examples of a robust culture that laid the foundation of the company? So actually, unfortunately, your opening statement to that question was wrong. (laughs) I haven't seen a lot of companies with strong cultures. And actually, in the days of executive search, I was unaware of it really, which demonstrates how bad it was because I worked with hundreds of companies. But I can give you an example of a company I worked with called HPI. HPI were part of a group called Solera. And Solera was founded by an ex-Navy SEAL military guy. And actually, he ran that business like the military. His culture was very hard. We expect your life from you in this business. And actually, if you, one of the guys, one of the managing directors who worked for the CEO, who I did search work for at HPI, he explained to me, he said, Brett, my background in the military means I'm ideally suited for this. And a lot of us have a military background because that's just what works for us. It's just the right thing. And actually, if you don't, then the system will kick you out. If you don't have that capability, the system will definitely kick you out. Solera exited for $6 billion. And it was just, you know, it wasn't for everybody as a culture. And we had to find a candidate who could deal with that military culture. They weren't military background, but they could deal with that very stiff, strict, regimented military culture. But it worked really well. And HPI went on to grow and be very successful. So yeah, that's a really good example of a business. They knew what they needed. They understood that if you joined the company and you weren't the right type of person, the culture would spit you out. And as you mentioned on the flip side, I'm sure a lot of the companies, I guess most of the companies you work with have cultural foundations that were lacking and perhaps that cultural foundation becomes their biggest problem while searching for and retaining talents. Do you have any examples of that? Yeah, I can't give you, um, actually most of the companies I work with were like that. And I can't give you actual examples, but I can give you some sort of data. So once I started researching culture and company culture, I, I set out to interview leaders of companies that had done a good job of defining their culture. And I would be introduced to a leader and the, you know somebody would say to me, you know, Brett, go and talk to John. He's got a great culture. And I would go and sit down with John and start to interview him. But actually, as soon as we got past a certain level, John would say, no, 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 we're not doing anything there. We've got some values and you know we do some promotional work around our values, but really it's we rely on our people. So I actually had to interview just over 50 companies, really interview them on a deep into the layer of the onion level. I had to speak to over 500 companies. 
So it's one out of 10 companies has done an okay job about defining their culture and working on their culture. Nine out of 10 companies haven't. And how this comes to pass in terms of recruitment is you hire for what you think is culture fit. And it's actually impossible to hire for culture fit. And this is what the mistakes that most companies make, especially in the early days, is hiring for what they think is culture fit, which is actually impossible to do. Interesting. And with all that experience, you started Culture Gene. And as far as I know, Culture Gene systemizes culture development and helps companies build strong functional cultures by using technology. Can you please tell us a bit about the three-stage process you use for cultural development? Yeah. So most of the companies I work with may have done some work on their culture, like defining their values, but they've not embedded their culture at all. So our three-stage process starts with defining, and we define or refine the values, the mission, and the vision of the company. This is essentially, these are the main building blocks of any culture, are the values, because the values are the DNA of the organization. And if you've done a good job of defining your values, they remain relatively consistent over time. They may change, but invariably not. So we do we start with values, mission, and vision, and then we embed those values into, first of all, we start at the leadership level. So we make sure that the leadership team have a framework within which to lead through the values and the vision and the mission of the company. Then we trickle that down to mid-managers. And then we'll look at embedding it into the processes and policies and the functions of the company. Once we've done this, it means that actually when you're running your business, we integrate it into everything so that you don't have to think about your culture. It's just happening in the organization. It is deliberate, but it doesn't require additional thought. So to give you an example of a process, if you look at the recruit, the hiring process and candidate has a touch point with the website, LinkedIn, other social media, a recruiter, a job ad, job description, face-to-face interviews or Zoom interviews, onboarding, probation, and their first review. We weave the values and the mission and the vision into all of those points so that by the time the candidate is in your company, they understand what the values are, what they mean, what the mission is, and what the vision is. And then the third stage of the process is managing where we help the company manage and evaluate how they are managing their culture on an ongoing basis. So it's basically define, embed, and manage. And our software helps with that process. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I mean, as far as I know, this is a software-driven process, and you even have a platform, the Culture Leadership Platform. Can you please tell us more about how technology helps this process overall? Yeah, so... Pre-COVID and about a year and a half ago, I was I was asked by two fully remote companies to help with their culture development. And what I was doing at that time was actually working with people in their offices. I would go and we would have a workshop and then we'd have another workshop. So the part of the defined stage is understanding what the actual current values are, the aspirational values, and what the impediments to achieving those aspirational values are. So we would go in and understand that through a face-to-face in-person workshop. And I realized working with companies that were fully remote that this wasn't going to work. So I started building my software to help fully remote companies. So I now lead the workshop, but through the software. So everybody logs in and we go through a process. We then discuss this. We'll do two or three workshops, depending on what the company needs using the software. 
And then, for example, once we've got the values, most companies don't do anything with their values, but we use the software to extract expected behaviors from those values. And that's another process and another workshop we run. And then we will help define the interview questions associated with those values, which we use the software for. And as we go through the process, so the software prompts or are used to facilitate the next stage of the process. And almost all of the startups went remote due to COVID-19, and I firmly believe that this trend will continue. What are some of the structures that remote companies put in place to sustain and grow their culture? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you think about it, a lot of remote companies that were founded fully remote didn't have the office to rely on. And so they were very deliberate about being actively invested in their culture. Because the culture is the glue of an organization. If your culture is not strong and functional, then the glue is weak and, and you will lose your people. They work very hard on communication. So their communication is more asynchronous than synchronous, and they've developed systems around asynchronous communication. They define a structure. So in the case of a company like Hotjar, Hotjar define what happens during the week. Monday is for this, Tuesday is for that, Wednesday is for that. And when you have to be online, when there is time for deep thinking, they work hard on social connection. This is something that is degrading now with most companies that were fully office-based. That office-based culture is degrading. And if they don't invest in that, there will be issues. They work hard on their recruitment and onboarding processes because they don't have the office to rely on where osmosis could happen. They also over-index on documentation. So they document everything. And this is something that companies that were previously office-based very much struggle on, moving from a speak-first mentality to a write-first mentality. Another element, best practice that remote companies focus on is trust. And they do this very much through transparency. If we are transparent, we've got nothing to hide. And trust is really, really critical in these environments. So because I was building software for remote companies, I've spent a lot of time trying to understand what GitLab, GitHub, Zapier, Toptel, Hotjar, and other companies do. And as I mentioned earlier, because they didn't have this office to rely on, they couldn't be lazy about their culture and lazy about the really key elements of their culture. Our portfolio companies employ international teams early on since their technology backend offices are in Eastern Europe or Turkey, yet they do sales in US or Western Europe. They have to launch offices there early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are some of the problems you see that companies face when they launch international offices while they were only 10, 15 people? And do you work with such early stage companies at all? Yeah, so yes, I do with early stage companies. And this is very interesting. It's a problem I've been dealing with even as a headhunter. And actually, the biggest challenge is helping early stage companies understand that their culture is not the same culture as UK or Germany or the US, particularly the US, uh, is where I find really big problems. So if the company has done a really good job of defining their values, then you can actually interview a candidate for values. And you can build a whole base of interview questions to overcome, for example, Americans, even the engineers, are really good at selling themselves. And American salespeople, which is what you're normally trying to hire if you're going to go to America, are very, very good at selling themselves. If you look at their CVs, most of them are responsible for half the GDP of the country. So actually getting under the skin of how to interview and evaluate candidates based on your values, but understanding there is a different culture that these people are in, whether it's Ireland or whether it's you know Scandinavia and Sweden, et cetera. 
And so there is a way to do this properly. And I've seen Israeli companies are, are quite good at doing this because they have the aggression needed in America particularly. And I've seen a number of companies fail because of their inability to get their sales going and get the right type of salesperson in an international environment. Culture lives and evolves with the company. A culture that might be right while you're at the seed level can become the biggest obstacle even at Series A. What kind of milestones should founders put in order to continuously assess and develop the company culture according to the company's needs? So yeah, this is a really great point. The thing about culture is when there are five of us working together, everybody knows pretty much what everybody's doing. We all understand it because we're talking to everybody all the time. But actually, when there are 50 of us, then it's a lot harder and there are layers of management, there's layers of structure. So the most important thing to realize is that often you go from a family type of culture where it's very laissez-faire, we trust one another wholeheartedly. As you start to hire more people, that trust doesn't always necessarily transition across. And so you've got to, first of all, got to be able to hire people you can trust and hire people that, that you know will deliver on, on what you require. But you've also got to understand that your business is evolving, which means that the way we work around here and the way we do things is evolving. So your culture is evolving and you need to put in more structure. You need to put in more process. But only the best way to look at this is it, we'll put in process if it speeds up or accelerates our business. So you do need to have a little bit more structure and process, but only put it in if, it's, if it accelerates the business. From a culture point of view, being aware of how your culture is changing is important. But if you've done a good job of your values, your values should stay consistent. So you've always got your values to fall back on. So when there are five of you, the culture is more possibly family-like. When there are 50 of you, it's a completely different business and 150 of you, a different business again. But being aware of how it's changing and what's changing, and also thinking about how an individual you could hire might impact your culture and should impact your culture is critical to being able to know how things might change and are changing over time in your culture. And when I look into our portfolio companies, they mostly have an HR lead after they are, say, 20 people, but someone who is the head of culture after they're at least 50 people. When do you think it's ideal to have someone who's solely focused on company culture within the organization? I think the CEO should be focused on company culture as with all the other functions in his or her business. So my mission in life is to help turn company culture into a recognized business function. In order to do that, we have to make it measurable and manageable. But CEO's role is really to look at culture like a function. And HR should be part of that, but everybody should be responsible for their element of their culture. Bringing in a, a head of culture or a VP of culture at maybe 50 or 100, when that function is taken on a proper form, I think is really important. But the CEO should always be aware and managing their culture. You published your second book on company culture recently. There's a lot of books written on company culture. What makes this book unique and why should a founder or early stage CEO read this book? So, yes, Own Your Culture was published in September and I spent three years writing Own Your Culture. Mm -hmm. I interviewed mainly startup and high growth companies. And the reason for that is because I didn't want to interview Netflix again. I didn't want to interview Zappos again. Uh, rest in peace, Tony. I didn't want to interview any of the established cultures because they're out of the trenches. So Own Your Culture is very much a tactical book. 
the each chapter has examples of what this company did to define their values, what this company does pre-interview, what that company does post-interview, onboarding, probation, how to deal with brilliant jerks. So it's actually got, each chapter has examples where you can go and say, I'm going to try that in my company this week or this month or this year. I'm going to use that example. So it's much more tactical than strategic. I interviewed companies about what they are doing right now about their culture and how they're defining, embedding, and managing their culture. Amazing. And before we close, because I forgot to ask, where does Culture Gene stand from attraction perspective? Who are some of your star customers as reference? So we've got Deep Crawl is a star customer. Runway East is a star customer. We've got LGT Vestra, which is uh, another real star customer. We've got a, a range of star customers. Um, their star, the reason why their star shines brightly, I believe, is because you can see how they are taking ownership and responsibility and accountability for their culture. And they understand that this significantly moves the needle. So they invest in it and they work hard on it. And that's really one of the key elements. As a company, we work with 10 businesses a year. So we are very focused on working with companies that and leaders that want to move the needle and understand how important it is to have somebody facilitating that process. So it's not a um, piece of software that we're expecting tens of thousands of users. It's much more hands-on and much more dedicated and deliberate. Well, Brett, thanks for joining the podcast. It was a pleasure. And if any of the founders would like to contact you, I'll make the introduction right away. And it's my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on the podcast. I enjoyed it and uh, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Culture impacts every single department in an organization way more than a lot of the founders realize. This is a growing need and I'm on the same page with Brett that is one of the founder's core responsibilities to create, manage and sustain the culture. Again, you can find links to Brett's books in the show notes below and if you want to contact him, just shoot me an email and I'll do the introduction. Bye. To stay in the loop, go to our website, getcc.com or follow us at getcc on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube.